We have had a brilliant weekend with two auspicious and amazing events supporting transformation. Friday night was a brilliant sharing on evolving paradigms, looking at the worldviews culturally and showcasing the wonderful times we live in for quantum change. And yesterday's Q Process workshop had... 122 people in attendance. Transformation, and please stand if you were part of the Q workshop. Yeah, beautiful, fantastic. Today, Dr. Jane is presenting a workshop, You Can't Sleep Through Your Awakening, from one till four. And all interested people who are curious about the transition of our center from minister-centric to mission-centric ministry are invited to a Q&A with Dr. Gary from 1 to 4 in the solarium. And now I'd like to ask Dr. Patrick forward. Let's do, uh, we'll get into the head stuff in a moment here. So let's just uh, drop into 30 seconds of silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so let's pray, and I invite you to allow my words to be your words. And if they don't fit, let them wash over you. But what I know in this moment, and invite you to join me in the knowing, is there's one life. That life is love, beauty. That life is a unified field. That one life is my life, our life. And so opening ourselves to that experience, sensing our way into that experience, moving it from our heads and our thinking into our hearts, feeling it and feeling it radiate, radiate out in every direction, feeling every aspect of our being and beyond so that we merge together in that unified field beautifully and powerfully. And so I know that something beautiful and wonderful and wonder-filled is happening right here and right now, a grace, a beauty, a peace, a joy, an opportunity to show up in life and to step into our own transformation and to understand all of it has come uniquely and beautifully tailored to our specific subjective nature of being and inviting us to take all of the ingredients that are before us now in our lives and, to, and our transformation, all of that is transformed as well. There's nothing to fear. Love 
is seeking an opportunity here and now. And so I just give thanks. We bless and circulate gratitude for all of the opportunities that are before us, for our musicians this day, this beautiful music that we've celebrated that has lifted us and shifted us and changed us is truly a prayer. Our meditation with beautiful Paula coming together and the quietness and slowing down, the beauty of slowing down. I know that our beloved speaker this morning, Reverend Dr. Jane Simmons, is blessed in ways that not even she can imagine by the energetic and what is called forth from her today by each and every one of us. So in great gratitude and appreciation, knowing this day is a complete and absolute success in every good way, and we see it from those eyes and understand it from those eyes and be it from those eyes. I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Well, thank you for doing that with me. Um, it's my delight and honor to introduce Dr. Jane. We did it uh, Friday evening and we did it yesterday. And, um, but it's, it's always fresh because today's a new day and we're all, we're all transformed by what happened and continue to be. Dr. Jane is an ordained unity minister. And unity is a, a sister-brother organization that had about 50-year head start on Dr. Ernest Holmes and the Science of Mind. As Dr. Gary said yesterday, you, we have Jesus Christ and you guys have great music. So... You weren't here for that, but I think that's true. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you for bringing Daniel Neymar here this morning. Uh, she has a, holds a doctoral degree in theology from Holos University, graduate seminary. Since her ordination in 1999, Dr. Jane has ministered in four Unity churches in Canada and the United States, as well as the teen ministry coordinator for Unity Worldwide. She is currently serving as co-minister at Unity Spiritual Center in Spokane, Washington, with her husband, Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons, as a former youth consultant and heart math qualified instructor. And we know about heart math. We heard it again on uh, yesterday. Dr. Jane has facilitated numerous seminars and conferences for New Thought Spiritual Educators. She has developed youth and adult curriculum and is the author of Eye of the Storm for Teens and co-author of Who Have You Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation. Her latest book is entitled, You Can't Sleep Through Your Awakening. Now, I would go to this, but I have a nap scheduled, so, so I, I don't know if I can make it up, but I guess I'll just skip my, my nap and be at the, uh, the event. I just love that title. There's so many ways you can go with that. So today, you're in for an enriching day, and you're invited to Dr. Jane's uh, workshop. That's why I got, arrived here late. I uh, wanted to get a book. We have a, a few copies uh, still left in the bookstore. It's a wonderful book. And um, I look forward to office offering uh, a curriculum around this book. So you can't sleep from your awakening at 1 o'clock today. So with all that said, I'm going to now invite the, the beautiful godling and beloved presence of Reverend Dr. Jane Simmons to our platform to share and inspire us. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. I think I'm good. Well, good morning, everyone. Wonderful to be here with you. Um, as you heard, I am Canadian, even though I live in Spokane, Washington. I'm from the Hamilton area originally. And I've lived in the States for 15 years since Gary and I were married. But I have to tell you, when I cross that border, something happens to my heart. And I head to the nearest Tim Hortons immediately. 
And so I've just been delighted to be here this weekend and have enjoyed every minute of my visit to Edmonton. First time here. So thank you for inviting me and, um, and being with us on this journey this weekend. I know many of you have, were here Friday night and Saturday all, all day. And um, to those of you who are just joining us for the first time, we have had such a heart-opening experience here, and it continues this morning with the lovely meditation that was just, oh, fabulous, and the music, beautiful. And Dr. Pat, you know, his, isn't he amazing? He's really... Um, so much fun in here as well as wonderful transformation going on. So, anyway, happy to be here. So let me begin by asking a question. Is everybody wide awake this morning? Yes. Anybody sleeping? Anybody having a nap? Because um, we're going to talk this morning about what it means to be spiritually awakened. And sad to say, it seems that you can't sleep through that awakening. Wouldn't it be great if you could? You just kind of woke up and went, oh, it happened. But Gurdjieff, the Armenian spiritual teacher, tells us you can't unconsciously become conscious. So Julia Cameron, author of The Artist's Way, tells us that we are spiritual beings having spiritual business to transact on this physical plane. Did you know that about yourself? Because when we forget that, when we forget who we are, when we are unconscious to who we really are, we end up sleepwalking through life. We miss it. It's like skimming the surface and never really plumbing the depths. As the poet Diane Ackerman writes, a shallow life creates a world flat as a shadow. And spoiler alert, we're going to talk a little bit about the shadow today. So we're not here to sleep through it all by skimming the surface. We are here to dive deep, to wake up, be who we've come here to be, spirit expressing, a spiritual being with spiritual business to be doing on this earthly plane. You know, in the Buddhist tradition, there's a story told that is comparable to the prodigal son. And in this parable... The son is a prince who inadvertently strays outside of the palace walls and wanders, forgetting who he is. He gets lost, and he ends up growing up as a pauper on the street and eventually grows into young adulthood. And one day the king, who is always on the lookout looking for his beloved son, comes across the young man and he recognizes him. And he joyfully rescues the prince, reveals his royal identity to him. However, the young man no longer has any memory of being a prince. He's asleep to his true self and has trouble imagining that life, let alone actually living that life. And it takes him time to release all of the beliefs that he's taken on in this life in order to realize that he is of royal lineage and begin to live his life that way. And so considering that story, think about our own spiritual journey. I mean, we know that we are spirit expressing in a body, don't we? This is what we learn in New Thought. We're all unique expressions, individualizations of the one spirit. But do we really, really believe that? Do we live our lives as if that were so? 
because that is what we're here to do, to really embody that truth throughout our lives. Ernest Holmes tells us that we are the ever-expanding principle of conscious intelligence. Forever expanding, never ending, eternally increasing conscious intelligence. And so, do we think of ourselves that way, or do we find ourselves kind of stuck in the labels that we have worn in the past and continue to wear? I mean, when you get up in the morning, do you look in the mirror and say, Good morning, ever expanding conscious intelligence? <laughs> That'd be a good way to start our day, wouldn't you agree? I invite you to turn to the person next to you and say, Good morning, ever expanding conscious intelligence. <laughs> it's good to know that for each other, isn't it? However, knowing spiritual principle is a far cry from living spiritual principle. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yes. From the book Zen Judaism, which is a delightful mix of Zen and Jewish wisdom blended together, it reads this. To study the way of the Buddha is to study the self with a small s. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to experience the complete dropping away of body and mind. That's the Zen part. The Jewish part reads... The difficult part is keeping body and mind off after you've dropped them. Many people gain back body, mind, and an additional 15 pounds. <laughs> you must then study the way of Jenny Craig. <laughs> Now, it's written tongue-in-cheek, but you know what? It really points out that this process is a moment-by-moment moment releasing of that which we have taken on as the labels that we can be wearing as we go through life. So what keeps me dozing away? Well, first of all, I'm not even aware that I'm sleeping. You know, I mean, it, it seems to be that I'm awake, I'm conscious, I'm not comatose. And yet, what's really going on um, that I'm unaware of? Yesterday, we talked about research that tells us that 400 billion bits of information is available to us right now. 400 billion bits. However, our brain can only process 2,000 bits in any given second. Now, that's a whole lot of bits we're not aware of. Try to imagine what it would be like suddenly to be bombarded with 400 billion bits of information. I always wonder who counts, who knows, you know, who's figured this out, but anyway. So there's a whole lot going on that we're not conscious of. In fact, are you up for a little science this morning? Good, you don't even have to put on a lab coat for this one. All you have to do, I'm going to invite everybody to look down at your foot, and while you look down at it, just lightly tap it on the floor. Okay, so you're going to watch your foot while you feel your foot on the floor. Now, is your experience that while you're watching it, you're feeling it happen, you're seeing it hit the floor at the same moment you're feeling it hit the floor? Is that your experience? Okay, okay, you can... You can stop now. Congratulations, you've just done the impossible, and it's not even 10.30 yet in the morning. Good for you. Because here's why. The speed of light 
is vastly faster than the synaptic conduction times it takes to get that message from your foot to your brain. In fact, you should see it happen before you feel it happen, and the delay should be noticeable. There's even a, a term for this. It's called delay and antedating hypothesis paradox. You can Google that. And there are theories that have sprung up about how this, how this happens. And one of them that really interests me is that those two events are happening at different times, but that the brain remembers them simultaneously. In other words, the brain is editing our experience. You see? So there's stuff happening that we're unaware of and our mind is editing our experience for us and here's the important part, it's not telling us that it's doing that. And it has selective editing as well. Now it's designed to do this because it's there, it's assisting us with interpreting and making sense of the world. It focuses on what is ours to focus on rather than trying to make sense of 400 billion bits of information. So the big question is, how does it know which 2,000 bits to let in? Well, the editing that goes on depends on the filters through which I view my world. These filters arise at, from decisions made about life, about ourselves, about other people that we made at very young age, perhaps even pre-verbal. And these decisions then become beliefs that are hidden away, and they become so deeply woven into our psyche that we, we don't perceive them, let alone question them. It's just the filter we look out through the world, to see the world. So my brain edits my experience based on these filters, and if I have a belief, for example, that tells me life is unsafe, what will my experience be as seen through that filter? Life is unsafe. I will discover all the endless ways that life is indeed unsafe. I will gather evidence to support my belief that life is unsafe, and I won't even be aware that I'm doing it, or that I have these hidden filters. I'll just know that life is unsafe. You see? It's not something I made up. It's the truth. Here's my evidence. Now, what if I believe that there's something wrong with me, that I'm flawed in some way, or that I'm not good enough, that I'm inadequate, inadequate, that I don't measure up, what will I discover? Will I find evidence that I am ever-expanding conscious intelligence if I'm seeing life through the belief that there's something wrong with me? No. Something else happens here, too. If I took on a belief that there was something wrong with me at a young age, I'll repress that belief. It's too painful to look at directly. Instead, I might decide that really it's about some, someone else. See, they're the problem. There's something wrong with them. And I'll project what's too painful for me to see within myself onto someone else. We all do this. It's a symptom of a newly discovered disease I just made up <laughs> called HSD, Humanity Sleeping Disorder. You see, it's sleep apnea of the soul. And so this is not about blame, it's not about beating ourselves up. You know, metaphysics does us no good if we use it to inflict guilt and shame upon ourselves, upon others, or wallow in self-judgment. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, let's not do that. It's about having compassion for all of us on this journey, 
for family members, for teachers, for friends from our childhood, for the classroom bully, everyone who's been a part of our path. We're all walking around with these unconscious patterns of behavior and we are forgetting the amazingness that we are suffering from HSD. And you know something? We are so courageous it, to, to walk through lives, our lives unaware of the magnificence that we are. That takes guts. Really. So the bottom line is the world mirrors back to us what's really going on in our own psyche. And when we have this disowned, these disowned parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at or we're repressing, it's called our shadow, we project them out onto the world and we attribute that to be the problem. And with all this muck getting in the way of awareness, we lose the preciousness of the divine presence that we are. We lose sight of that. Now, is there hope for us? Yes. yes. The correct response is yes. So let me give you the good news. Are you ready? Lean in. Our projections can help us to awaken. Isn't that good news? It's kind of the good news, bad news part of it. We might think of those projections as what Byron Katie calls a compassionate alarm clock. Because when I make a judgment about someone else, it's a pivotal wake-up moment for me if I choose to use it. You know, we can pray, we can meditate, we can read, we can go to workshops, we can go to retreats, we can go to classes to learn about spiritual principle. I love all that stuff. And where the rubber really meets the road in the spiritual journey is in the arena of human relationships. Especially a relationship with someone who can push our buttons. Do you know what I mean by this? Do you have someone who does that for you? Our button pushers are quite often very conveniently located close at hand. And they're so valuable to us because they can clearly show us those places in need of healing with great accuracy. Zero right in on it. You know, it's like finding a sore spot. And why does it hurt to have our buttons pushed? Because it goes to one of those places we don't want to look at, a belief that we hide from ourselves and then project on someone else. Now hear me clearly, I am not suggesting to anyone that you stay in any kind of an abusive relationship. And if you are in an abusive relationship, um, you need to get help. So are we all clear on that? Yes. What I'm talking about are the paper cuts, the annoyances, the socks on the floor, all that stuff. Because those paper cut moments are surprisingly ripe with abundant opportunity for spiritual growth. And yet this is when we would much rather hit the snooze button and, and, and nap through it all rather than see the value of having our buttons pushed and working with that. But when we choose to use these events as awakening moments, now the work becomes dealing with the inner button. Do you see the difference here? Instead of making it about that person is the issue, it's like, what's going on in here? Here's the work. 
Did you know that one of the ways that samurai warriors learned to do battle with each other was by hitting pressure points on the body? I mean, they were literally pushing each other's buttons in a big way. And there's a story told of one samurai who was soundly defeated through this method of combat. And after that, he gave it all up to spend time in the wilderness contemplating his life. And 20 years later, he meets up again with his previous opponent who challenges him to another fight. And the samurai agrees. And this time, the other fighter is surprised to see that no matter how many times he hits those pressure points, there's no reaction. And the samurai explained he had spent his time in contemplation working with the pressure points, changing the sore spots. They were no longer available to be triggered. And you see, that's the work. In a sense, that's our work. Becoming aware of those sore spots within us when we get triggered, being curious about what that is. Getting curious, discovering what's behind it, and making an internal shift. And when that happens, those sore spots lose their ability to send us over the edge, and they actually become portals to our own awakening. Isn't that cool? It's so exciting. Because <clears throat> we really start to see, wow, that's not who I am. Maybe I'd have a belief that there's something wrong with me and it's pushing that button. But that's not the truth of me. The truth is I am ever-expanding conscious intelligence. Say it together. I am ever-expanding conscious intelligence. Now, we don't usually do this work willingly. I mean, nobody wants to look at their stuff, you know? We can hear ourselves saying, this is negative energy. I don't want to mess with this. I didn't come to church to hear this today. You know, and we think, I'm all about positive, affirming the truth. Well, yes, we are, especially in new thought. But as we're busy affirming, it can be very easy to ignore the denial part of the equation, you see. We can affirm all the good we want, but if there's something sabotaging that success and we're unaware of it, will transformation happen? No. If we're affirming one thing and believing another, the belief will win hands down. And here's the thing, we can pretend the shadow doesn't exist and ignore it. Does it go away? No. no. It's having an effect whether we know it or not. Those unconscious self-limiting beliefs are much more impactful when we're unaware of them. They cause a whole lot more havoc in our life when they're simmering under the surface than when they're brought into the light of day. And the thing to remember is this. This is Richard Rohr, wonderful Jesuit priest who does amazing work on unitive consciousness. And he says this, pain not transformed is pain transmitted. Amen. Pain not ta transformed is pain transmitted. In some way, whether it's out there or in here, turning into depression or whatever it is. But when that pain, um, when it's being transmitted, it often slips out in a way that we're not expecting it to. Do you know what I'm talking about here? You ever had something come out of your mouth and go, whoa, where'd that come from? And you know what, it's like holding a beach ball under the water and holding it and holding it and whoop, comes out over there. It's kind of like that. Because here's the truth, we are creative beings and we're always creating. 
either consciously or unconsciously. Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore said, to be ignorant of mind and its laws is to be a child playing with fire. An awakening to who we've come here to be, unencumbered by those thoughts and beliefs and attitudes and filters that we have accumulated over the years, becoming aware of when and how we are sabotaging our success through ingrained patterns of behavior, and then having the power in the moment to change that. This is awakening. And we do this through the power of the heart because it takes us to a higher view. And from that higher view, consciousness trumps all of it. It overcomes all of it. The author Tama Keeves writes, as we set free a previous definition of who we've been, we can gracefully become what life is directing us to be. And she adds, without familiar crutches, we discover wings. We are limitless, divine potential. We have access to a higher dimension of creativity and we do not serve this world by playing small. It's time for us. Don't you feel it? It's time for us to be truly free, to be who we've come here to be, to make a big difference in the world, not just sleepwalking through this marvelous experience of life, but to realize the freedom, the power, the ability in the present moment to live a heart-centered, compassionate life as conscious, aware expressions of spirit. In this afternoon's workshop, we'll be exploring ways um, to do that. For those of you who have done the Q process workshop, today will be a deepening of some of the pivotal practices that are part of it. And if you have not done the Q, it will be more of an introduction to those key practices. Either way, they are helpful in working through triggering moments and mining the gold that they contain. And that's what living an awakened life looks like. So let me leave you some, with words from the poet Mary Oliver as she speaks about really living life. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was a bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I've made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. So I invite you to remember that you are a spiritual being with spiritual business to transact on this physical plane, to dive deep into the present moment and feel the wonder and the joy of discovery that comes from living an awakened life as ever-expanding conscious intelligence. And here's to the exploration. God bless. <laughs> I get two. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, thank you.